You are live with Get Connected. Mike Agarbo here in studio. I'm joined today by Gray Williams, and we have a great program. Get Connected, Canada's number one tech-themed radio show. We talk about uh, the world of uh, gadgets, smart homes, smartphones, and uh, all the tech news out there. We'll be speaking about AI and can AI help us live forever? Some futurists are predicting that uh, our consciousness, our consciousness, I can't even say that properly, uh, will be able to be uploaded uh, to the uh, uh, the cloud, the net, computers, uh, so that we can live forever in a very short time. And there's some virtual reality companies that say that they can bring uh, loved ones uh, kind of back to life, but in a virtual form. We'll be chatting about that. And we're hearing about all these tech layoffs right now, literally tens of thousands of uh, poor people from Amazon to Facebook. It's it's happening everywhere. But there's uh, some people that are saying that tech employees are fake working. And we'll tell you all about that as well. But great, let's get into some of the uh, tech news. The one thing that I've been waiting for, like, for a long time from a technical and technology perspective, uh, Gray, is the flying car. We just haven't really seen that yet. Yeah, I mean, we were down at CES a couple of years ago, and we saw that Bell Helicopter had something of a flying car-ish thing. And that's usually how they're described, is it's something of a flying car. It's not a flying car. We want a flying car. Well, it looks like uh, United Airlines is uh, seeking to launch commercial flying taxi service in Chicago within two years. They're partnering with a, a company uh, in the U.S. called Archer Aviation, and they want to have that uh, flying taxi service by 2025. It would uh, take off from uh, Chicago O'Hare International Airport and uh, would have service between there and a downtown uh, Chicago. They call it a Ver- Verde port. Uh, and essentially, this would be an electric flying taxi. And they, they want to try to keep the price within the same price range as uh, like an Uber Black uh, service. So in kind of the $100 range. I mean, that's a great deal. The idea of like, as the crow flies, getting you to where you need to be has always been sort of that, that appealing thing. You know, it'd be great if it wasn't for, you know, the city in the way or this mountain in the way. So being able to get to the airport uh, by also taking another flying thing is kind of a cool thing. I think, <laughs> I, I think right? it's, yeah, I think the price, if they can kind of keep it in that range, would be appealing, I think, to some people that need to beat rush hour traffic and time is obviously uh, very important to them. Uh, these Archer electric uh, vehicles uh, are called, um, uh, how do they pronounce this, e- EVTOL, e- EVTOLs. Um, it's like an electrical or electric vertical takeoff and landing. Uh, kind of an electric taxi. So I'm I'm looking forward to this. I hope they can get this off the ground, so to speak, and uh, we can start seeing uh, more of this uh, happening in the future. Sad news this week, uh, Gray. Uh, Gordon Moore, the co-founder of Intel, has passed away at age 94. Uh, I mean, him and Intel have really revolutionized the world since 1968 when they first started Intel. Don't you agree? Absolutely, yeah. I mean, Moore is also famous for uh, creating Moore's Law, right? The idea that the power processor will double roughly every 18 months uh, as transistor sizes fall. And we've only started to see that kind of challenge in the last little while. So I think, you know, Moore lived long enough to see his prediction come to fruition and then start to yield to physics as we were no longer able to make things smaller without them kind of burning up in the process. Yeah, it'll be interesting to see what the future holds for miniaturization. Um, and, 
you know, bringing that that technology to to bring computing power down even to smaller circuitry and 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 increase it. But uh, you know, as we've seen with tech, uh, you know, especially things like AI over the past year, uh, never count uh, anything out. Uh, this was an interesting story, uh, Gray, that I came across, and you know, we've seen a lot of these kind of um, AR glasses before. They are trying some out in the UK, uh, some smart glasses to help speed up heart surgery. And this is kind of interesting. So staff, uh, as I don't know if I'm pronouncing the city name right, it's Basildon, uh, the Basildon uh, Hospital. They wear high-resolution cameras and, and earpieces. Uh, and so during surgery, these are connected with experts remotely. So they're, right now they're uh, kind of using this on um, faulty heart valves. Uh, surgery, but uh, with these with these special glasses uh, that have the cameras built into them, they can actually send that signal to other experts, you know, that are hundreds, if not thousands, of miles away, so that they can get expert advice while they're doing the surgery. I, I just think that's amazing. Yeah, it absolutely is. Now, if I remember correctly, there's a Canadian AR brand that was doing this with Porsche, and basically they had, they'd have the technicians at the head office would sort of do a ride along with the technician that's working on the car to let them know, you know, here's where things can go wrong or here's what we think is the problem with this particular vehicle. So it's nice to see this also applied to, you know, human beings. Well, it's interesting because uh, with this heart uh, valve replacement surgery, by using this technology and being able to communicate right away with these experts and you know, not having to have them right there in, you know, the, the hospital or the surgery room, uh, operating room, um, it, it's cut the wait times down dramatically. So uh, they were at their highest apparently in 2021, uh, as I imagine a lot of uh, places around the world because of the pandemic, it was over seven months. Uh, and now they've been able to cut that down to two and a half months, which I, I think is amazing. And, and don't get me wrong here, it's not replacing surgeons. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? They still have to have qualified uh, surgeons and, and staff that are doing the operation, but having access to these other folks in real time, uh, I think is just kind of uh, uh, an amazing way to use uh, technology. And talking about cameras, we uh, talk a lot about autonomous driving on this program. You know, I, I can hardly wait till we see self-driving cars. I think that's going to be an amazing thing uh, for safety. Uh, I think for also uh, visually impaired people, uh, but we're just not quite there yet. But uh, a UK company is uh, taking that to another level. So, you know, when you ever see these self-driving cars that they're testing, a lot of them are just equipped to the nines with like tons of cameras. Uh, you know, a lot of them have LIDAR on them as well. They've got sensors all around them, which is what you would have to have so they can see where they're going. Uh, but they're taking that to another level, Grave. They are actually then also using CCTV cameras, like cameras that are around the city that are aimed at the road to see what's coming up next. You know, because the, the car cameras can't kind of see around the corner. But with the additional data from these these cameras that are set up around the city, they can see when there's like a stalled bus or there's, you know, a branch down in, in the road or there's a traffic jam. So it just kind of takes uh, another set of data to make the car even drive better. Yeah, it's, it's interesting to take a look at a lot of these self-driving um, sort of philosophies right now because they're missing two key, com two key components, one of which is this. This is vehicle to infrastructure or infrastructure to vehicle basically taking the things that are around us, they're gathering data and giving it back to the vehicle so it can make better decisions. 
piece that we're really missing right now is vehicle to vehicle, where it's guessing what other vehicles are doing around it. And so I know a few companies, Intel actually being one of them, um, we're looking at sort of what, what is that low level radio frequency that, that we're going to be able to have cars talk to each other. So even if it's even if you're on manual drive, this car over here that's on automatic drive knows what it is that you're doing based on the inputs that you're feeding into the car. And if you're about to be a danger to them. So yeah, the, the computer, the computer is going to stay uh, clear away from the human human drivers. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> no, but it's interesting. So. It's interesting because uh, what they're trying to do is create an ecosystem, right? Because yes, you want the car to have all the sensors and cameras on it, and you know, computing power to uh, you know basically navigate on its own. But by having this extra data, and like you were saying, other cars that are also talking to each other and have the data from these additional cameras, it just takes that safety level up. Uh, you know, much, much higher. And I think we'll be able to get two safe, you know, full self-driving vehicles in a much shorter time frame. Don't you agree? Yeah, I agree. But I don't We're know if I can... I, yeah, I don't know if I can afford it yet. It's interesting with Tesla. Uh, Elon Musk is blazing his own way. He took... I guess the uh, like the lidar and sensors out of the new Teslas that were being built. He just wants to have Tesla Vision, uh, you know, cars that just have cameras that help navigate them around. But I hear rumors now that uh, that they're going to be putting other types of sensors back into the the new vehicles. I don't like, know why you wouldn't want lidar. It's so cool. Like cameras, cool. Lidar, way cooler. I, I know, but like that's what I don't get either. Like, why wouldn't you want as much? capability like sensors and cameras in the car you know what i mean like it's not like the lighter is costing thousands and thousands of dollars more to the car i mean these cars are expensive already so it, it's just i don't know i think that's just another safety feature that i would want to have in the car do you know what i mean i feel I feel like Elon, you know, maybe lost a bet with the supplier of the lidar stuff or you know had an <laughs> argument with them and so just got to pull it all out and we're just going tesla vision but that that makes about as much sense to me as anything else that they, they might float. Okay, we are going to have to take a break here on Get Connected. When we come back, we're going to talk about digital avatars and AI and, you know, will we be able to upload our consciousnesses to computers in the future? Some futurists think it's going to happen sooner than you expect. And there's even one company that is trying to create virtual avatars of our, our loved ones who have passed away that we can interact with when they're gone. You're listening to Get Connected here on the Chorus Radio Network. We will be back after this. You are back with Get Connected. Mike Agarbo here with Gray Williams. Gray, how would you like to live forever? Who wants to live forever? I, I do, actually. That's one of the things that I'm, I'm going to live forever or die trying. So we're going to talk about AI, digital avatars, being able to talk to our loved ones who have passed away using AI technology. And I, I just want to throw a few things out there. Uh, there's a futurist and a computer scientist, a very famous one. His name is uh, Ray Kurzweil. He has uh, basically predicted that, or he believes strongly that, artificial intelligence will catch up with true human intelligence in 2029. That is not very far away with immortality being possible the following year in 2030 i mean can you see that yeah on a couple of fronts uh, i mean catching up with human 
intelligence. Human intelligence has been on the slide. So I think that's really good to be more of our crossover event. Um, you know, the, the idea here is that uh, Kurzweil, I think, is saying that the singularity, you know, this, this idea where um, machines re- like achieve true sentience, they, they start to think like us, um, that's going to be a good thing. This is not, you know, have you seen this boy, John Connor type deal? This is, it will actually be something that will increase our processing capabilities as a species, you know, logarithmically. And so with that comes the idea that we can digitize our brains. Cool. Neat. This is kind of the Star Trek transporter problem. When you get disintegrated at one spot and you are reintegrated at another spot, is that actually you? And so the idea here that a copy of my consciousness might be in a machine, how does that really affect the, you know, meat and potatoes version of me that's out here going, I'm not in the machine and I'm not living forever. I'm still kind of a bit cranky about this because that me gets to live and I, I don't. So there's, I think there's a bit of a gap here where it's just like, okay, so part of you lives on, but is it the real you? I don't know. That, that no, that is a, a big question. But being able to upload our consciousness to a computer, there are all sorts of technical hurdles that still stand in the way. Okay, maybe we might be capable of some type of digital immortality, but the brain is an enormous computer. Like the the storage uh, capacity we would need to download a brain is just astronomically high. Do you know what I mean? Right now, and just what is the yeah. technology to even do that? We are, I think, we're many many years away from anything close that can that can do that. So there's an interesting company. Uh, they're like a, a virtual reality company and they're called Somnium Space and their their CEO is claiming that with tools like ChatGPT, it's accelerated the process of uh, making one of his projects real and it's called uh, Live Forever Mode in his kind of metaverse world where with tools like the AI ChatGPT, you'll be able to create digital avatars of your your loved ones with their likenesses and be able to actually interact and have conversations with them by inputting data about them. Does that make sense? It does, yeah. And I've, I've heard a lot of people be sort of knee-jerk reaction to this because it's like, you know, just let people go. You have to move on. Uh, hopefully this is not treading on ground that it shouldn't. Um, when my uncle passed away, um, my whole family was very distraught, but um, my, my, my mother was particularly hard hit. I had a Panasonic cordless phone that had an answering machine built in that had his voice on it. And I uprooted the darn thing and I sent it back to Ontario so that she could have it. And I've, since then, I've, I've ripped the audio on it and so she can have it separately. But just the very process of hearing his voice, I think made her more comfortable, made her happier, made it made the grief easier to bear. So something like this where you could have maybe something that's designed for dealing with grief purposes. Maybe it's designed for keeping grandma around forever. Uh, I think that actually comes down to the person involved, right? Do you I... want to be here as an AI piece? And if you don't, then as a family, don't do it. I know, but there's all sorts of kind of ethical and and moral implications here, right? Because we have the technology now to 
basically replicate people's voices, mimic their voices. And with AI tools like ChatGPT being able to interact kind of at like near human levels, uh, I don't know. I, I, you know, on the one hand, I can see how that would be comforting, being able to interact with a, a loved one that's passed away, you know, with a kind of a digital version of them. But I don't know. Is that a healthy thing? Do you think? Well, again, I think it comes down to the person involved, right? Like, what is it that they would want to have included in their AI simulation? Like, if grandma was a great baker, and she is now a baking reference, and this is something that she's happy with, yeah, I think that's pretty cool. Um, you know, it's, it's, I think it's no different than maybe having, you know, um, historical figures um, as as avatars that you, that you can reference. So the question comes down to data set. Right, because ChatGPT isn't a magic bullet. It needs to have this data set, which means that if you want to be brought back as an AI avatar, you need to be starting to build a, a personalized data set that represents you. And that's a that's a that's a whole big task there, figuring out like how you would react to all of these different things. You know, everything from your likes and your dislikes, your your demographics, your psychographics. Building this digital profile of you is something that Google and Facebook and Amazon have been working really hard at and here is an opportunity for a company to just come along and say here do it for us and the consumer may actually go and do it for them well if you want to check out this company again they're called Somnium uh, they're a metaverse company they create digital worlds with uh, digital avatars that you can interact with I don't know how close we are to having anything meaningful you know being able to talk to a uh, you know a loved one that's passed away but you know, as we've seen with uh, you know AI tools like ChatGPT, it's just uh, increasing exponentially, and it it might not be that far off. We're gonna have to take a break. When we come back, there are tens of thousands of tech employees being laid off, but some are saying that it's not as a big problem as it as as it seems because a lot of them are fake working. So we'll explain what that all means and uh, kind of dive into that a bit. Back after this. You are back with Get Connected. Mike Agarbo here with my good friend Gray Williams. Tech layoffs are just increasing rapidly. All the big guys, Google, Facebook, Amazon, laying off tens of thousands of workers. And Gray, when, when I see that, you know, sometimes I wonder when they announce this, like Facebook, for example, lays off 10,000 people. Wouldn't that have a dramatic impact on their business with 10,000 people gone? Do you know what I mean? It seems like when they make decisions like this, you know, that that number of people seems staggeringly large. It, it's not. Um, and it, you kind of wonder, like, if you're somebody who's just been laid off by Facebook and there are 9,999 others of you, maybe it's time to actually start a competitor? Perhaps. So we saw with the pandemic, uh, many of these tech companies went on hiring sprees because the world became more digital. We saw accelerations in all sorts of technologies, you know, using Zoom, for example. Um, Before the pandemic, no one had heard of Zoom. And then overnight, bam, it was the thing. And obviously, all the other tech companies, you know, had to respond. Microsoft with Teams, Google with whatever (laughs) thing they had going on. what did they have hangouts gray i don't even know yeah meet google meet google Google meet yeah yeah i mean those are just some of the things they do but you know obviously they went all in to really kind of expand their companies and as the pandemic has wound down and the economy is kind of in a bit of uh, a spin right now you know they are laying off these people but some 
some people are saying that a lot of these workers are are fake working. Uh, another term would be coasting or resting and vesting. Uh, you know, kind of just taking it easy and just waiting for their stock options to to vest. And even some TV shows like Silicon Valley, uh, you know, the HBO series, uh, they actually made fun of that. You know, there was a fake company there called Hooli, and they had one of the characters, and he joined a group of other unassigned employees that just kind of spent their days on on the company roof, just doing nothing, waiting for the contracts to to expire. But, you know, experts are also saying, you know, on the other side, it just points to a bad management problem. Like, these employees are not being managed properly. Yeah, I mean, did you know that Microsoft uh, Solitaire was actually coded by an intern who never got paid for his work? Really? Really. Probably got got laid off. (laughs) Like, the... the, um, the, the 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 fake work the pet projects you know these are things that can turn out re- really well for the employee if they decide to take that work and go elsewhere which could be a risk it can turn out really well for the company the question is like who's looking at someone and going the work that you're doing is fake because it's not delivering something that's directly attributable to a business goal right now that to me seems a little insane, especially in a, in a market like tech, where it's like it lives and dies on the stroke of genius, right? That moment where somebody's like, you know what? A music player the size of a pack of cards that uses fireware to transfer songs and will have a store that sells music. Congratulations, you've got the iPod. Like, it, it, there are moments like this where these things happen, right? If you look at Ken Kosienda when he uh, came up with autocorrect, like that moment was a moment of genius. And could have happened in a project like this. And so saying that someone is fake working or, I mean, I get it. If you're just sitting on the roof and kind of chilling out and drinking a Mai Tai, you're like, if there is management there, they should probably be looking at it going, maybe we can just cut these people loose early. Like, pay them their money and go. But there's no reason to keep them on. Yeah, I just, I, I, I wonder about better managed companies. Like, name one tech company you can think of right now, Gray, that hasn't had major layoffs or any layoffs. I can't. Apple. Did they not? No. Huh. No. I thought they did. Yeah. So it's interesting. You know, you got guys like... with everyone else. Yeah. You you got guys like Elon Musk, you know, buying Twitter for $44 billion and going nuts and firing everyone, you know, do you know what I mean? To slash costs. And, you know, we're seeing it... It's really an insane move. it's, It's crazy. Like, it's a dumpster fire. And, you know, we're seeing with Google and Facebook... You know, they've had to lay off tens of thousands of people as well because, you know, have they, you know, overhired essentially. So I I think that companies should probably look more at Tim Cook's leadership style than some of these others that seem to overhire and then fire everyone. You said that they have to lay these people off. They don't. They're They're still making plenty of money. Right, and these projects that they're laying them off, it's because they weren't immediately hitting the goals that they wanted them to hit, or we've, we've repositioned. It's like they wonder why there's no loyalty. They wonder why there, you know, there's quiet quitting and fake work. It's because the moment that you are perceivably a weak point in the company, somebody from HR comes along with a scythe and you're gone, and that's insane. 
Yeah. Loyalty used to mean that you, you you put your heart and soul into something, but you got your heart and soul back in return and then some from the company. And that's just, if, if they're not willing to practice it, I have no problem with fake work. I have no problem with quiet quitting. Playing field's got to be a level and it's going to start with the employees first. And looking at like the executive folks, if you're making more than three, four times your lowest paid employee, can you look yourself in the mirror and think that, yeah, no, this is, this is actually appropriate. Great. You've won capitalism. It's fantastic. But maybe you take a pay cut where people can stay. Just saying. Or just kind of manage the business better. And I just think it's so disingenuous. You know, they're all about the people, but then when they need to lay off everyone, they do it over email. Do you know what I mean? <laughs> like, yeah. it's not even a it's not even a face to face or even a, a Zoom call, which I I don't know I I have I have a problem with it. Okay, we're gonna have to take a break. When we come back, some more tech to talk. You're listening to Get Connected here on the Chorus Radio Network. Back after this. You are back with the program. Mike Agarbo here with Carmi Levy this week. We're going to talk about uh, cables, charging cables. I know, very exciting, but this is kind of an interesting story, and it has to do with Apple. It looks like they're being forced by European Union regulators to switch their lightning cables or connectors uh, over to the kind of the ubiquitous standard, the USB-C standard that you pretty well find in every other electronic device uh, right now. Uh, What's interesting is that Apple is already using it in a number of their devices. Of course, it's on their MacBooks to connect uh, peripherals and and power chargers for a lot of them. Same with their latest uh, iPads uh, as as well. And uh, Carmi, this is kind of an interesting story because uh, Apple makes a lot of money licensing those lightning connectors to other manufacturers so that they can make the, uh, you know, I guess accessories for uh, Apple product. Well, and the European Union, of course, was pretty, uh, pretty determined when they passed this legislation last year to you know, essentially ensure that all technology companies, including Apple, played ball, that they weren't going to tolerate, uh, you know, proprietary solutions that added to the problem of e-waste, that added to the costs of consumers. Uh, that made life more complex for consumers than it needed to be. This is a huge environmental uh, and consumer rights issue. Um, and so what's interesting is is obviously since the, the law, it became law last year, the clock is now ticking. By 2024, anyone who sells hardware uh, in Europe uh, has until 2024 to make sure that its devices are compliant. Uh, but what's interesting is that there was some sort of you know discussion in the background about charging speed. So sure, by 2024, Apple's uh, iPhones and its remaining iPads and all devices that it sells will have to s- switch over to USB-C. Uh, but there's some discussion about the charging speeds within that. In other words, how would Apple maintain its uniqueness? How would Apple maintain the need for you and me to buy an Apple-branded charger or Apple-branded cable still? Um, and there was some some speculation among analysts that Apple was going to use higher charging speeds as a differentiation point. Um, that it, that their hardware, which has what's called the made for iPhone certification, would have to be able to support a higher level of charging. Well, the European Union said, um, no, uh, you will support the same level of charging, the same speed of charging 
as any other USB-C based technology. It's not enough for you to uh, have a port that looks and, and acts like USB-C. It's got to support high-speed charging to stop charging people extra for proprietary hardware. So uh, it'll be interesting to see how Apple responds. The European Union is saying they weren't deliberately targeting Apple in sort of going this extra step. But we all know who exactly they were. Apple was the only holdout. They fought this legislation tooth and nail. They have a lot of you know millions of reasons, all dollars, uh, to to not have this legislation go forward. Uh, and they're still probably a little bit sore about losing this battle. But you know, in the end, the environment's got to win. In the European Union, they're pretty progressive about stuff like this. And uh, eventually, they do get their way. And once the EU gets something in place, the rest of the world has no choice but to follow. It, it is interesting because I, you know, I, I read that article as well, and uh, they said that they might also um, Apple would limit unless you know it was a, a MiFi uh, certified cable, which is like an Apple certification. Mm-hmm. Uh, they might limit uh, which ones can actually transmit data, for example. Yeah, I think consumers are really tired of being sort of told by Apple what they can and cannot do, or frankly, being told by any vendor. Uh, that just because they didn't buy their branded version of something, that they don't get the full performance from it. Uh, and that's really what the, the EU is trying to do over and above the environmental agenda, is really be more consumer-friendly. Stop big tech companies from enforcing their own standards that end up costing customers more. Because if I have to buy that NFI certified cable from Apple, it's going to cost me twice as much. Or if I work for one of those companies that makes those non-Apple cables, uh, well, then I'm at a competitive disadvantage. And that, of course, is not fair. Apple, the most valuable tech company on the planet, uh, that's kind of a non-competitive thing. That's how monopolies behave. Um, So it's nice to know that the EU has uh, both consumers' interests at heart, uh, as well as smaller companies that just want to create peripherals uh, that are affordable, that do the job and give consumers choice. At the end of the day, that's really what it is. Would you be happy if the car that you bought, you could only buy tires from that manufacturer? Imagine what they would charge us then. That's kind of what Apple wants to do with its cables. And fortunately for us, the European Union is saying, not going to happen here. And even though we don't live in Europe, obviously, often what happens with the EU is they'll enforce something first. And then all jurisdictions around the world, including the U.S. and Canada, will then follow because it becomes a global standard. So we watch very closely what the EU does when it comes to uh, uh, legislation in the tech space, because it is only a matter of time before it comes here. And in fact, there are a lot of people looking forward to the iPhone 15 launch later this year, or probably in August or September, uh, they're expecting the iPhones to go USB-C at that point in time as well. But Apple is a business, and this is essentially taking away a chunk of revenue from from them, isn't it? Like, it is. Uh, but at the same time, I think there's also recognition that Lightning is just really not great technology compared to the latest version of USB-C. Uh, it is not as fast uh, for, at, at transferring data. It is not as fast at charging. Um, it has technology on it that makes the cables very complex. It's got chips built into it. That's why Apple loves to build them and charge licensing fees to anyone else who, who sells lightning cables and peripherals. Uh, that's how it makes its money. So, yes, Apple has a right to make money on the technologies that it creates. But at the same time, the industry has been moving away from proprietary chargers and cables and related technologies. 
and for good reason, because it is incredibly bad for the environment. It has created huge amounts of e-waste. We all have drawers in our houses where we have these all these different chargers and cables that only work with certain devices. And even now that we sort of moved to a few common standards, we still have to have a lightning cable, a USB cable, a micro USB cable. Some of us will have a mini USB cable. And when you travel, you've got to make sure you have different versions of each one. Imagine if we could boil all that down to just one. Sometimes you need governments to hold big tech to account to say, yes, you got to have the right to run your own business. But at the same time, we have a, a, an even more important right to protect the environment, protect the planet, protect consumers as well. And I think it's fair to say that this is tilting in the right, right direction. I, I like that they um, are hopefully going to the USB-C standard for the phones as well. Uh, you know, to your point, I, I'm just on my desk right now in front of my laptop here. I'm just looking. I've got like a little travel bag and there's like probably, you know, eight different cables in there. You know what I mean? Like USB-C to C, USB-C to Lightning. Yeah. There's the older USB cables. It, it's just, uh, it's like a rat's nest. And so I'm yeah. happy I'm happy that it's going, uh, it's, you know, it's going to reduce that. But at the same time, USB-C cables, there's it's not just like one cable. You know what I mean? Like there's different types of USB-C cables as well, as far as fast charging and, and data and stuff. Sure there are. And I think that's also where we can expect... Uh, further action on standards so that uh, you know there was a commitment by the EU as well as other standard setting organizations around the world last year uh, to make sure that these uh, both data charging and uh, sorry data transfer and uh, and charging standards uh, are maintained and evolved in other words the technology will get better it will become standardized over time that innovation will continue to happen um, it'll just be centered around the USB-C standard or whatever comes next. Um, so rather than having individual companies with a profit motive deciding what technologies we use uh, to plug in and charge and transfer data, it'll be governments that work in partnership with these companies to balance those needs uh, and make sure that we minimize waste and minimize expense. And I think that also is is a fairer way to go about it because if I have to go back to a drawer filled with that rat's nest of cables, or if I have to travel carrying a bag filled with God knows how many cables, and if I forget one, I'm in trouble. Um, you know, I don't want. I don't think anyone wants to go back to that. And I, I'll be very happy to leave it behind. That I'll be, happily send a card to the EU for making this possible. <laughs> well, uh, Carmi, I want to thank you for joining us again today. Tune in tomorrow to the App Show. It's our sister radio program. It's all about the world of apps and mobile tech. And uh, Carmi will be joining me again. Uh, we're covering some cool stories, and uh, one of them is about a new Alzheimer's app that uh, can help. Uh, I guess you know, potentially slow the mental uh, decline because they've shown statistics that women are almost twice as likely to get Alzheimer's than men. And so this type of technology can uh, hopefully, uh, you know, reduce, uh, you know, some of that uh, that suffering. And we'll uh, also be chatting about ChatGPT. It's on version four now, and it is doing some amazing things. It's passing even more uh, exams, bar exams, and different association exams. And they have also uh, announced that uh, third-party plugins can now connect this thing to the internet and other programs. Carmi, thanks for joining us. Great being here, Mike. Thanks so much for having me. I want to give a quick rundown of tomorrow's app show. It's got to be a great program, so you have to tune in. We're going to be talking about all the Apple mixed reality headset rumors. 
Apple has been uh, rumored for the past couple of years to be getting into the space. They've really kind of dived in with augmented reality on their iPhones. But uh, they are coming up with glasses or goggles that mix in virtual reality and augmented reality. Again, all rumors. But we're going to be going through all of that and uh, tell you what we know so far. We'll also be talking about scam prevention. And this is important when it comes to online shopping. Amazon is probably one of the biggest e-commerce websites in the world. I can't even tell you how much I use it on a monthly basis. But there are a lot of scams happening out there. I constantly get text messages and even emails supposedly from Amazon wanting me to do different things to uh, verify an order or uh, you know click here for a you know a $500 refund on your account or for for gift cards. Well, when you get those kind of messages, you know 99% of the time they they are scams. You know, never click on those links. But we've got a great guest coming on the program and she will be talking all about the different things to look out for and how to protect yourself from getting scammed and losing money or identity theft. Visit our website, getconnectedmedia.com. We'll see you again next time.